Welcome to Facts, Figures, and Fallacies from the Frontline Podcast with Mitzi E. Sullivan, CPA. Welcome to the podcast for Mitzi E. Sullivan, CPA, PLLC. I'm Jessica, and we're going to chat about with you about um, active or passive income. That's the question. So before we get started, though, um, be sure to check out the links in the description in this video to join us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and sign up for our weekly newsletter to make sure you keep up with all the changing tax laws and regulations as they are released, and follow our dis- discussions of tax and business strategies. Please leave a comment and ask questions. Let us know if, what you liked to identify topics that you'd like to see in future podcasts. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Nick, who's going to start talking to us about um, active and passive income. All right. So what is active income? What is passive income? Does that sound like gibberish to you, Marie? Well, um, maybe in my tw- 20s, 30s, but I've learned uh as I get older, the more passive income I have, the easier my life is. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. We want to aim towards passive. Is that the is that the right answer? Well, maybe. It's, okay. It, so I'll I'll say that the answer depends on your individual situation, and yes. so that's what um, we'll kind of dive into. I wanted to start off by describing the difference and um, kind of talking about, you know, what what is the diff- you know what are the difference and what are the different types of income. Mm -hmm. And so income actually go into three different buckets. There's active income, there's passive income, and then there's portfolio income. Mm -hmm. And depending on what type of income you're receiving, there are different tax consequences. So active income that's your most common income. You know, that's uh, wages from a job. Uh, If you're a business owner where you're actively material materially participating, that's going to be active income. And so what that means is you're going to be taxed on that income at the ordinary rates, and you're also going to have to pay that Social Security and Medicare tax, which is um, you know, going to be withheld out of your paycheck. If you're an employee, you're going to split that 50-50 with your employer. There's no getting around it. <laughs> um, if you're a business owner, you're paying the Social Security and Medicare the full 15.3% yourself, and that's referred to as self-employment tax. Mm -hmm. And so that's your active income. Your passive income is going to be income where you're not materially participating in the day-to-day activities. So that'd be, uh, for example, if you're an investor in uh, a business, like an equity investor, where you've put some money into something and you're just getting, um, you know, the benefits, the, the passive income to yourself, uh, rental income is a good example of that. And then the third, and so with passive income, I'll mention you, you'd pay the ordinary tax rate. However, you don't have to pay that self-employment tax on that income. The only other potential tax you would pay on passive income is what's called net investment income tax. Mm -hmm. That would come into play if, uh, for example, if you're married filing jointly, if your adjusted gross income is above 250000 then you actually have to pay a 3.8% tax uh, on passive income called net investment income tax, and that's on your investment income. Now, the third bucket of income is uh, portfolio income. That's going to be your capital gains, qualified dividends, 
uh, oftentimes for portfolio income, that's coming from some type of investment account. Um, and long-term capital gains or qualified dividends, for example, mm-hmm. those are actually taxed at a preferential tax rate. So it's going to be generally a lot lower than your ordinary tax rate would be. Right. Unless you withdraw. And then as far as portfolio, right, Mitzi? Like it, it stays low as long as you don't withdraw your portfolio income. Is that correct? So I think you're confusing portfolio income with um, your retirement income. Is uh-huh. that what you're talking about? Well, just any type of investment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe you're talking about whether or not you have a capital gain. Okay. So when that money is invested, you're right. The market will go up, the market will go down. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't sell that stock or or a mutual fund, whatever you're holding in your investment account, as long as you don't sell it, you don't realize a gain, then you're right. There's mm-hmm. no tax on that. Got it. Got it. And so what are some real examples of passive income? You said uh, rentals. Is that like Airbnb or a home that you rent out to someone else? Or what What are some, Nick, what are some examples of passive income? Yeah. So um, an example, for, for example, rental income, um, someone who has a, you know, their main job as an employee, let's say is working as an accountant, Mm -hmm. but then on the side, they have a rental house that they rent on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And so if that's long, let's say it's a long-term rental, you're just collecting rent each month. Um, that's going to be passive income generally Mm -hmm. because you're not materially, um, you're not a real estate professional. You're not materially participating in that business. Um, so that's going to be passive income to you. Or a better example would be if you are an investing partner in a partnership. So mm-hmm. for example, let's say um, there is a new apartment complex and you invest money into this partnership. Let's say you're a 10% partner. Well, you're not doing any of the day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. The other partners are doing that day-to-day work and you're just kind of receiving that that income, that return on investment, that would be passive income to you because you're not actively participating in actively making managerial decisions for that business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to active income and um, just mention, you know, a lot of people when they hear this, they think, well, I don't want active income because, you know, I don't want... Um, to pay that social security and Medicare, right? Um, There's no getting around it. You know, if you're an employee somewhere, that's getting withheld on your paycheck. And it's going to be 15.3% shared 50-50 employee with employer. So if you're a business owner and you work for yourself, when you file your tax return, you're going to have to not only pay your ordinary income tax, but you're going to have to pay that 15.3% self-employment tax. So that is one thing that does catch people off guard if they start working for themselves and they're not familiar with uh, how this all works. Mm-hmm. But that's a, obviously a big you know, tax that you're going to ha- uh, have to be ready for. With passive income, uh, generally it's just going to be um, your ordinary tax rate and you're not going to have to pay that Social Security and Medicare. Um, you might have to pay that 3.8% net investment income tax that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... With the portfolio income, it's generally um, like let's use long-term capital gains as an example. Um, if you have, you know, you have a normal job, 
you're an investor in this apartment complex. So you have active income, you have passive income, and then you also have an investment account um, where inside that account you bought um, some stock in a company Mm -hmm. and two years go by and you sell that stock and you have a gain of $50,000. Well, you realized a $50,000 gain, you're going to recognize it on your tax return because you sold it and you have that 50,000 gain. That, because it's a long-term gain, is taxed at either 0%, 15%, or 20%. So 20% would be the max, generally, that that's going to be taxed at. Um, So that's um, kind of how that works. And those percentages are based on your income? It is based on your income. Okay. So for someone who maybe doesn't have any other income or they're, you know, in a very, very low income bracket, they may not even have to pay tax on the long-term capital gain. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So okay. I've put together an example um, about the passive activity loss limitation rules, and hopefully this will kind of help explain um, in better detail how this would work. And so I'm going to read this example. We're going to put it on the screen as well. And um, it's about uh, a situation that a lot of listeners may be in. So in this example, we have Pete. He's an individual taxpayer who owns 25% interest in an LLC. So this LLC could be anything. It could be um, an apartment complex. It could be a construction company. It could be a rental house. But let's, for example, say it's a rental house. Okay, so Pete owns a 25% interest in a rental house. So he put in money. He's Mm -hmm. a partner in this business. And he's categorized as a limited partner, and his 25% ownership interest is just an investment, and he does not participate in the day-to-day managerial decisions of the business. So the other partners in this partnership um, that make up the 75% are the ones who are managing this um, rental. They're involved in the day-to-day business decisions. Mm. Pete is just... um, essentially an, an equity partner, and he's just collecting um, his, his return on investment. So this means that Pete is a passive partner. So the LLC generates a $100,000 loss in this first year. 25000 of that loss is allocated to Pete on a, his Schedule K-1 once that tax return for the partnership is filed. Mm-hmm. So Pete, at the end of the year, you know, he's, he's getting his tax documents ready and he has a full-time job where he has a salary of 100000 So he received a W-2 for $100,000 and he received a K-1 from that partnership, which is negative $25,000. So when Pete looks at this, he thinks, hey, this is great. I can offset my 100000 mm-hmm. wages with a $25,000 loss. So my tax bill will go down. Well, in reality, that's not how it works because he cannot offset his active income from his job with a passive loss. Mm. Instead, that $25,000 loss is going to roll forward into future years. So this is what's called the passive activity loss limitations. So because he has this passive loss and he doesn't have any passive income, that loss is just going to roll forward to next year. So next year, if his partnership makes net income and he he has $100,000 from his normal employee job, Mm -hmm. and let's say that he has 
$50,000 of income from his K-1. Well, now that $25,000 loss that he had last year can bring down his passive income to only $25,000 in the current year. Wow. So... And and he can roll that forward indefinitely, right? His passive loss, he can just roll forward year after year after year until he has passive income to offset it. Correct. You know, um, it may take his rental partnership, it may take that business three or four years to start making income because they're doing repairs, they have more expenses than they have, you know, rents coming in. So if he has three straight years with losses, well, maybe he's just adding these losses up. And then in the fourth year, when he has income, he gets to offset that income with these losses he's been. And there's no limit to how long you can roll it over? No, not currently. Not currently. It can always change, (laughs) but at the moment, it's not. (laughs) So this is kind of the balancing act that people have to, you know, play when they're deciding on investments. Pete could have potentially had the opportunity to be a general partner, meaning he was a manager, he was involved in the day-to-day activities and, uh, you know, collecting rent, um, these sorts of things. And maybe in that case, he could have been an active partner, Mm -hmm. meaning that he could have offset his wage income with his investment income in that year. And so now I kind of wanted to discuss the different tests that the IRS uh, has um, that Mm -hmm. allow you to qualify as materially participating in an LLC or in an investment. Yeah. yeah. So Nick, before, before you get into that, let's just um, make the point where when you go to do your tax planning, you want to make sure that if you know you're going to have a hundred thousand dollars in active income and, and it's possible to, to qualify these losses as active losses, and you can't flip-flop back and forth, active this year, passive this year. But what Nick's leading into is if you need those losses to be active because you have so much active income, Mm -hmm. then there are some qualifications that you need to meet to get active. Sometimes you may need some passive losses to offset some passive income. Mm -hmm. So then you structure in such a way that you are passive. And, and as I said, you can't flip back and forth, you know, for, for just for tax purposes. Yeah. But you can structure your activity so mm-hmm. that it creates the type of income that you need. Okay. And so, but say people do switch to active, is there like a time limit? Do you have to maybe once a year you could switch it? Or just as long as you don't switch it right before you file? or You would you have mean? to actually um, amend your operating agreement. So, for example, if it's an LLC, Mm. um, if you're going to become a manager and go from passive to active, you would need to meet these tests first and foremost. And you would also need to amend the uh, LLC operating agreement, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Pete, in this example, was passive. Um, Now, let's say Pete wanted to be active. In his Mm. situation, it just makes more sense for him Uh, from a tax perspective, to be active so he can take that loss now. The IRS has seven rules that allow you to qualify as having material participation in uh, a business. And so these seven rules, we're going to link those below so that you can really read those. Mm -hmm. Uh, The key takeaway from these seven rules are that if you want to have that material participation, then you need to meet one of these seven tests. 
if you don't want material participation and you really want to be passive, you need to make sure that you don't meet any of these tests. And um, I'm going to kind of summarize a couple of them. You know, the biggest uh, and generally the most referred to is going to be that you materially participated in the activity for more than 500 hours in a year. And so really that, that means that you're involved in managerial decisions, day-to-day operating activities for more than 500 hours in a year. There, you know, now let's say another one of these tests and another example would be that you know, maybe it doesn't take that much work to run mm-hmm. this business. Ultimately, like we mentioned at the beginning, it's very, it, di- it differs for each individual. And so, you know, we can't t- tell you that passive income is better or that active income is better. It really is going to depend on your specific situation. And so that's just something that you want to be aware of and something that you want to think about if you're going to make, you know, an investment in a partnership or, mm-hmm. you know, help start a business with a friend or something like that, that these are just things you want to be thinking about from the very beginning when you're setting up that operating agreement. And And as a small business, I like having the team so I don't have to make these decisions alone. Right. Just sitting there wondering, am I active? Am I passive? Which one's better? And then, you know, poor Nick, all of you keeping up with these tax laws. Thank you so much. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Uh, And so it's just, it's nice to know or to plan if you are starting your own business, make sure you have multiple professionals with their eyes and ears on it. Don't you agree, Mitzi? Yes. So you're not just trying to navigate. All yes. So a lot of times what we see is somebody, you asked about the Airbnb business. So mm-hmm. let's say I start up an Airbnb business and I think, oh, I'm going to have all these great losses to write off. It's going to offset my my CPA income. That's going to be great. Well, it depends. Am I active? Am I passive? And so one of the rules that Nick was talking about is, are you putting in more work than any other individual. Well, if I hire, let's say I'm self-managing my Airbnb, but I hire a cleaning professional. Mm-hmm. Well, chances are my my cleaner is going to spend more time cleaning that house than I do managing the house. Mm-hmm. And in that case, if I don't have my 500 hours, then I'm passive in that activity mm. and not active. So just things to consider. Okay. And, and it really takes a team. If you're going to do... You know, strategic business planning and strategic tax planning, you are not going to do that and we are not going to do that all by ourselves. Yes, yes. And that's one benefit I see. I love getting in that room with the screen, looking at the numbers, you know, analyzing it as a team. Yes. So you can make plans to save money, make more money. And make better decisions. Mm -hmm. So Definitely. Well, that about wraps up this podcast episode. If you have any questions, please do reach out. You can leave a comment. Um, You can visit our website, contact us uh, via phone, set up an appointment. Uh, We'd be happy to uh, dive further um, and help answer any questions. So thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, and let us know if you have any questions about today's topic. We'll see you next time.